Good morning, New Good Life morning. Family. How's everybody doing this morning? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Can we give God some praise? Yes. yes. Hallelujah. Once again, it brings me such a great pleasure and honor to be asked to be up here and invite everybody to another wonderful Sunday service here at New Life. My name is Eric, and this is my wonderful wife, Diane. Yes, and good morning to everyone here. Good morning online, out on the patio, um, in the lobby. Um, If you are a first-time visitor, thank you for coming this morning. And um, after the service at one of the Connection Central booths out in the lobby and out on the patio, we have a gift for you. So come out, say hi. We're going to be out there. Um, one come of those and booths, chat. Right? Yep. Yeah, I don't know what booth we'll be at, but we'll be at one of them. And um, we have a gift. I love gifts, so um, we have a gift for you, which is great. Yes. Okay? Um, so as we prepare our hearts for worship, uh, I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to please stand with me as I read uh, out of Scripture. And we're going to be reading out of First Chronicles Chapter 16, starting at verse 23 to 31. Let the, Lord, let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offerings and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations the Lord reigns. Amen. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, may our hearts cry always be, the Lord reigns. Amen.
In Hebrews 10, we read this. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter God's, enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So Lord, as we boldly approach your throne, we thank you for the access that we have through Jesus' blood that washes us clean so that we can approach the Father. And Lord, for some of us who who might be seeking and knocking and not finding and boldly approaching, but feeling like you're not there on the other end. We just, we, we say in confidence that we know that you're there and we trust that you're good. And so in those moments where we're wandering through the desert feeling lost, we know that you are actually with us in it. You might not show up when we want you to or the way we want you to, but you are faithful still. And so as your people, we come together to just remind us, remind each other of that truth that you are faithful. Amen? Amen. Let's sing the song together.
Jesus, we love you. Our hearts cry out to you, God. We love you. God, we just pray more than anything this morning that your heart was touched, God. That our offerings this morning were a sweet aroma to you and that we're not done yet, God. I pray that you would just, um, you would just invade our hearts this morning. We invite you in. We invite you into our heart today, God. Would you teach us something new? Would you show us something about ourselves that we hadn't thought about before? Would you give us a new perspective on you? God, we're open to what you want to say to us today. Have your way. You are worthy of all of our praise. And we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. You can have a seat. I'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive our offering today. Um, if you're new here, um, we have a little bit of family business today. You're obviously, you're welcome to participate. And if it's your new... If it's your first time here, um, don't feel obligated to participate in the, in the offering. You're obviously more than welcome to, to be a part of what God is doing at New Life. And part of the family business is actually about that. We have a little bit of some exciting news. Maybe you won't think it's that exciting, but for us in the back end, it's very exciting. Um, new Life has started the transition process. We are moving to a new platform for all of our online giving. And so this, the reason why this is exciting is because it is a part of the same company that we use for our database and all other things so we're going to have a lot more streamlined process and it's going to be super seamless for everybody so if you are a regular online giver you give recurring um, you should have gotten an email this week that had a link and it's super easy to switch things over um, we would just love your participation in that it's going to be a great tool I think that God is going to use for how we give and how um, God uses our finances as we are good stewards and we live with our hands open wide so if you want to try it out today that'd be awesome we're hopefully we're hoping to get everything sort of switched over by the middle of November so we would love your help in that process on the screen is the is some of the information that QR code is on there also on your bulletin there's a couple of different things to tell you on your bulletin there's a QR code that's always here that one you can go, give the new way or the old way so if you're not ready to switch over you don't have your credit card with you or whatever today you can do that way on this one and then on the back it has a little bit more information and then that has that QR code that goes straight to the new giving. So if you have any questions, you can find one of us um, at the Connection Centrals. Um, me or Karen would be able to hopefully answer any of your questions. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. I did it this week. So um, hopefully you can figure that out because God is doing things amazing and it is because of the generosity of this church. And each and every week I get blown away by how how amazing it is to just be a part of a church that does live with their hands open and wants to see their Central Coast change for Jesus and is willing to sacrifice in order to make that happen. So this is just another one of those ways that we are praying that God is going to use. And because also at New Life, living with our hands wide open is a part of what we call our discipleship process. It's a part of becoming a follower of Jesus. It's a part of taking on the heart and character of Jesus and exemplifying it in our life. And so that is what we are about here at New Life. We, we hope and pray that you don't just come here, listen to a message and go home and nothing changes. We, we truly want you to become a follower of Jesus, somebody who looks at the way of Jesus and wants that to be your life. 
And so we have a couple of really cool opportunities coming up for you that will help you do just that. The first one is like a once in a lifetime. Well, I guess some of you guys have probably done it twice now. But um, Pastor Dan is leading a trip to the Holy Land. So I believe it's in March, coming up in March. And so what an experience that would be to walk in the feet of Jesus where Jesus walked, see the places that Jesus saw and in the places that Jesus healed people and performed miracles. So if you're interested in that, find Pastor Dan, send him an email. You can go to the website and get more information on that. But that would just be an amazing opportunity just to grow in your faith and have your faith just come alive. The second opportunity is coming up this Wednesday is our last Wednesday class. So every, every month, the last Wednesday of the month, we gather together and it's, we just pick like a random topic that we think is pertinent um, to everybody. And so this week, that's what we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about what it actually looks like to follow Jesus in very practical ways, how to deepen your faith, how to take ownership of your own faith and the spiritual practices that you do. So we always have a delicious dinner together and then we... Um, break open the word and grow in our faith together. So we invite you out to that this Wednesday. And if you came to our all-in rally last week, it was so much fun. Um, and we had a great time just celebrating all the things that God has been up to. And we showed a video there and we felt like we probably want to show it here just to see all the places that we see Jesus moving and working in our mix. So check it out. I see Jesus when I walk into church every Sunday and I'm greeted with a warm hug and a smile. I see Jesus when there's a call out to the congregation for food on the pantries and they fill our shelves. I see Jesus when I get to enjoy a cup of coffee and a good zucchini chocolate chip cookie from the baking crew on the patio. I see Jesus when I hear the worship music at New Life. It just draws me in to worship Him all day. I see Jesus when Miss Karen is teaching me the Bible. I see Jesus when I get letters and visits from the encouragement team. I see Jesus through friendships I've made at Mom and Mentors. And I see Jesus when my kids start singing Sunday school songs that they have learned at church. I see Jesus when my uh, group leaders go to my football games. I see Jesus when new families come in and we get to bless them here at the pantry. Well, I see Jesus when I see our young people worshiping every Sunday. My favorite time to see Jesus is on our way home from church whenever I get to listen to my daughters recap about the activities that they did and what they learned. I feel like New Life's really providing a front row seat to getting to watch my daughters build a firm foundation in Christ. I see Jesus at Kids Church. I see Jesus in the encouragement team here at New Life through multiple cards, getting in the mail randomly. And then when we came home from an appointment up at Stanford, there was a gift bag on our doorstep. Coming home to that was super encouraging. 
I've seen Jesus show up at New Life when my husband and I were going through um, just trying to grow our family and having a hard time. And at that time, our life group um, came over the night before a big procedure that we were going to have. And they brought food and prayed over us all night, um, sang worship songs. And the next day, we did the procedure. And nine months later, we had a miracle baby. Um, and I'll never forget that moment and just how Jesus showed up through people that he had placed in our life at that time. I think we see Jesus here when over 200 kids are coming each week. So God is on the move. Awesome. It has been an amazing nine months so far, as far as being uh, a part of here. Uh, good morning. My name is Jared. Um, I get the honor of being able to, to continue in this series we're in, and God has been so good. God has been so good and so on the move. So we're in week three of this series um, that is our fall series. We're calling it Origins, and we're looking to adopt our family story into being really what, what we're all about. It's about adopting God's family, adopting God's story into our lives, the kind of our origin story, making it ours, that that's the desire we have. This week, week three, we are talking about creation and the mission of God. So that's what we're looking to jump into. The last two weeks, Pastor David has done an amazing job of kind of level setting us kind of level setting all of us where we're at with the Bible, asking you where you're at with the Bible. And last week we really talked about what it looks like to align with the kingdom of God. And so today, what we're gonna do is go all the way back to beginning. We're gonna go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and 2. We're gonna go back into the beginning where we look at creation and the mission of God. And today we're going to ask a few questions of what it means to belong to God's story. Because when I think of what it means to belong to God's story and going all the way back to creation, one of my favorite authors keeps coming to mind and C.S. Lewis once wrote, and I think this is true about creation, that one of his most famous quotes is, the further up and the further in you go, the bigger everything gets. The inside is larger than the outside. And that's truly what we're gonna be diving into today when we look at the creation story. So here's the big question. The big question I have that we're gonna be unpacking throughout today, it's this. I think we have it up on the screen. But how is our interpretation of the creation story from Genesis 1 and 2, how is our interpretation deepened when we consider its ancient and historical and cultural context? I know, big, almost college level. We're gonna make it really simple. I'll probably have some jokes. But the, the desire is to really go, how much do we deepen when we look into this? Because we're going to be asking the questions, why do we even get an origin story? Why does God give us a creation story? Why do we get two of them? You know, that's what we're going to be diving into this morning. So if you have a Bible, you want to open up, we will be in Genesis 1 and 2. But before we get into that, I have a simple question. We're going to start with the simple question. And it's this, have you ever gotten anything wrong just completely got something wrong, right? Like maybe it's misremembering something. Maybe it's a sports score or like a sports trivia, right? Like someone asks you like who won the 1994 World Series 
and you're like, ah, was it the Phillies? Was it the Blue Jays? Uh, Trick question, there was a strike that year. There, no one, no one won the World Series in 1994. That's a freebie, right? But like, have you ever been wrong? Like you misremembered something, whether it's a a movie or like was Matt Damon in that movie or someone else, right? Or like maybe you misremember a plot where you're like, was it Point Break where there's like an undercover cop and he kind of like hung out with the bad guys or was that Fast and the Furious where it was an undercover cop and he hung out with the bad guys? Spoiler alert, they're the same movie. Exact same movie. Any of you 90s kids in here, you know Avatar's awesome. It's just Fern Gully with a bigger budget. That's all it is. It's all it is, right? But if we're ever wrong in something, you know, you, you, you kind of misforget something. Oftentimes, maybe it's lyrics. Maybe there's a song you've been singing wrong for years. Or like, whether it's one of those Nirvana songs you come back to and you're like trying to listen and you're like, I don't know what he actually says, right? You know, in my own family, we have an 11-year-old old soul who we've been raising, and he himself has gotten into 60s and 70s music that he loves. And so oftentimes, he gets lyrics wrong, mostly because his understanding of music has been from our Alexa, which we probably have one in here, and I'm probably going to trigger it right now. But he mostly streams music and plays, and so he's still kind of new learning who these artists are. He didn't come to music the way we did. He didn't go into a Sam Goody and buy a CD, right? He's only new. We've got a newer car that actually displays what the music is, and he's learning album covers for the first time. He's learning, oh, that's a female artist. I didn't know that, right? (laughs) And so occasionally he comes around and and he sings little bits of songs, and we're like, we don't know what he's singing, (laughs) right? And so a few months ago in our house, and he's singing along, and he starts singing this, and and keeps singing kind of the same part, like, hey there, amigo. And me and my wife, Elena, we're like, what is he singing, right? And he keeps coming back to this, like, hey there, amigo. So finally, after a couple weeks, and whether he's like doing some homework and got some song, whatever, he says it, and we're like, hey, buddy, what song are you singing? And he's like, it's that song. It starts with hey there, amigo. And we're like, what song starts with hey there, amigo? And okay, a couple more weeks go by, we're trying to like figure out what the answer is, and the song comes up, and he's like, oh, that's it, that's it, that's it. I, I believe we have it. Any Van Morrison fans in here, you're gonna know what it is. It's catchy. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. He's not totally wrong, right? Not totally wrong. We wrote letters. Dear Mr. Van Morrison, I know you wrote this song 49 years ago, but maybe you want to change it, right? I'm guilty as far as getting something wrong. Uh, you know, I'll admit it, this is embarrassing. It's only embarrassing because I didn't really learn to correct my ways till I was like 10 and a half or 11 myself. But, and, and to this day, I will blame Jim Henson for my wrongs. But for me, growing up, we didn't really have any pets. Uh, my dad said he was allergic to dogs and cats. To this day, I still don't know if that was true. It may have been an elaborate plan to get out of vet visits and like not spending money. We had hamsters, which are totally dumb, Right? It's just a cute rat you actually keep inside your home, right? So that's all we had, which meant if I wanted to play with a dog, I had to play with my neighbor's dog. It was a golden retriever. His name was Buster, and it was awesome, right? And if I wanted to play with a cat, I'd go down the street, and I would play with a cat. And so, and again, I blame Jim Henson, because one of my earliest movies I remember seeing in the theaters was The Muppet Christmas Carol, right? And I'm an 80s kid, 90s kid, right? And so I grew up with Muppet Babies and whatnot. And again, I think we have a picture in this movie. You get Kermit the Frog, 
and always his love interest is Miss Piggy, right? And they have children in this movie. And the boys are frogs. And the girls are pigs. I only ever knew boy dogs. And I only ever knew girl cats. I thought that's how the world worked. It wasn't until we got a new neighbor and they moved in. They had a cat and its cat's name was Frank. And I was like, come again? I got a, a new best friend. I started playing soccer with in fourth and fifth grade. Hung out at his house and his dog's name was Abby. And I was like, oh, that's not how things work. Again, I blame Jim Henson, right? But I had to learn. I was completely wrong. And so when we come into this Genesis story, when we examine and we go back to the beginning, maybe your view on creation isn't as wrong as my view on cats and dogs. But would you allow yourself this morning, humble yourself enough that as we come into God's word, as we jump in and we examine and we go deeper into God's origin story for us, would you be willing to learn something new this morning? Now, many of you, you're new to the Bible. You're new to this entire following God thing. And in some ways, it's a beautiful gift that you don't know any better. And so you're asking deep, amazing, wonderful questions that you're coming to God's word and going, I don't know what that means. And it's leading to a deep understanding. But many of you, you're like myself, you grew up in the church. And oftentimes our familiarity, if that's a word, how familiar we are with scripture is our biggest hurdle. That we won't ever allow ourselves to learn something new. That we'll go, no, 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 I got this. I already learned this. I know the flannel graph. I know the story of this. And oftentimes that can be our blind spot. That we're not willing to see if there's something more that God has for us. My prayer, my desire this morning, not because they're my words, but that God would teach you something a little bit new, a little bit more perspective, that you would go deeper in this morning, that this week as we come to the creation story and the mission of God for the creation story, that you'd be willing to learn something new, that you'd be willing to see what's truly there. Because the reality is the creation story, God gives it to his people, this creation story that we get in Genesis 1-2, God gives it to his people. And it's written by Moses. We give the authorship to Moses. That Moses, as he's leading his people, he's the one who writes it down. And God's writing this creation story for his newly freed people. They had just spent 400 years in Egypt. And now they're free. And they're wandering in the wilderness. And God gives them this story. That's the beginning context we need to know that when we go to read this that's what it is and God gives us a origin story because that's how we relate with the world when we have a story that's how when we we can start to learn and to know the problem is we just need to come with the right lens when we view this story, we have to have the right lens. See, I wear glasses because if I don't have these on, I can't even read the confidence monitor. And so I need the correct lens if I wanna know what's up on there. If I wanna read street signs when I drive, I need my correct lens on. And so we need the correct lens. When we have that, we can take this story for what it was and what it can be. That's the whole challenge that we have here this morning. And it starts within the beginning. And here's our biggest challenge. And I would say this for the, for the church. 
the church that we belong to, one of our biggest challenges is for the last 100, maybe 150 years, we as a church, we have gotten caught up. When we talk about creation, we've gotten caught up in the how of creation. The how of creation has led to so many of our questions, and we've deeply valued the how, and we've argued, and we've defended the how of creation far too much. When we get so caught up in the how, and we argue, and we defend, and we care about it, we fall into a pitfall. See, our biggest problem is we've gotten caught up in the how of creation, and when we do this, I think we fall into three pitfalls. That when we so deeply argue and care and defend the how, we fall into a pitfall. The first one is we start to argue. We start to argue with other believers, with other people, with other people who might believe a little bit different than us. And we argue and we get caught up and we start to defend and utilize what God gives us in ways it was never meant to be defended and utilize. We end up arguing over evolution versus science versus how, and when we do all of that, we miss it. We miss the beauty and the richness that God has for us in this creation story. The second thing is we disregard culture. That when we argue over the how of creation, we completely disregard the original culture. We disregard the who it was written to. We disregard all of the facts that are in here. The reality you need to know is what we read in our Bible, whether you read in Spanish or English, that's a translation. This was not written in English. This was not written to Americans. You can't come to this and go, ah, I see this exactly for where we're at now. We have to jump into the culture and recognize that the culture and the why it was written, those details, they matter. They truly matter. And the third pitfall is when we, we don't look at the context because the context matters. It matters when we see the context is why this is written. This is written to a bunch of people, a whole bunch of God's people, the Israelites, who've just spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt, and now they're a freed people. That's the context it's being written with. That's where we have to pay attention to the facts. Just for context, just for context, all right? So when we come to read this, we need to know that the original hearers of this, as Moses is telling this and it gets written down, it's to a group of people that were slaves and were now free. They had been in Israel for 400 years. Now, let's put ourselves into their sandals, right? For some of us, the last four years has been an eternity, right? Travel back to 2019. What's the same What's different? So much has changed in our own world. Just four years feels like an eternity, right? Let's just go back 20 years. That wonderful year of 2003. I probably should have had a Jonas Brothers song ready to go, right? <laughs> but 2003, what were you doing? What, what flip phone did you have? Did you even have a phone, right? There was no social media that you were on. Many of you still got a newspaper delivered. Many of you still had AOL.com email addresses, right? Like, what do you have in common with 2003? 
Not that much, right? Like life has changed, evolved when you attempt to feel like what are, what are the differences? All right, let's talk about 400 years. Ready? The year 1623. What do we have in common with it? I Googled it. We got a map. This is the most accurately drawn map in 1623. This is what they thought the world looked like. California looks weird, right? These are the kingdoms of the world. This was the world map. This is what we had as far as if you're trying to say, what do you have in common with 400 years ago? I grabbed a few, Google, few Googles, ready? In 1620, pilgrims from England arrived at Plymouth on the Mayflower. Just for context. The year 1616, William Shakespeare died. Just to kind of know, and this is a good one. In 1626, Peter Muntz buys Manhattan Island for the Dutch from the Manhattan Indians for goods worth $24. And the island is renamed New Amsterdam. Not even money, it was traded for $24 worth of goods. So like, what do we have in common with 400 years ago? Not much, right? And that's the context I want you to know that this original origin story is being written for people who've spent 400 years in Egypt living as slaves. That's the context that as God is starting to make his people and wanting them to know where they came from, that's a bit of the context you need to know about. The other stuff you need to know about is at the time, as they're now freed, and they're wandering in the wilderness. The empire and the culture they're walking in is a Canaanite and a Babylonian culture. This was the culture of the people around there. And so as much as they were Israelites, they had been in Egypt with all of their gods for 400 years. They are more Egyptian than they are Israelites. And now when they're freed, they're out in this culture, which means they would have accepted and known what the culture t told them at the time. It's like this exact reality of God's way and the world's way that Moses was trying to teach them. Here is God's way. Here's how you're gonna live. Here's what your life is. And they were constantly being told, well, this is what the world tells us. Well, this is what we accept. This is the reality. And this is the same tug and pull we have now. Do you choose to believe what the world's way is of life or do you choose God's way? But the world's way at that point would have been the Babylonian creation myth. I'm gonna spend a few minutes going into it because I think it's important. It's something that's relatively newer to me as far as another deeper context to understand this creation story. Because when we know God wrote this to his people who are just freed, but God also writes this to a group of people who have accepted this is the way the world works. And God writes, oh, 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 no. You come from somewhere else. Your origin story is different. And I want to paint those two parallels so you can have a deeper understanding. The Babylonian creation myth, here's how it went. I'll try to be as quick and I'm going to get details wrong, but it's okay because the story's not true. But the Babylonian creation myth, again, this is what would have been understood, is you would have had to learn these two gods. There was Marduk, and there was this goddess Tiamat. And these are, 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 the, are the two big players, and roughly a summary of what was believed at the day, this is how they explained the world. This is how they explained the creation. This is how they explained their own worth 
was from this Babylonian creation myth. And it says this, in their myth, it goes like this. In the beginning, there was only unidentifiable waters swirling in chaos. And out of this swirl, the waters divided into sweet, fresh water known as the god of Apsu and salty, bitter waters known as the goddess of Tiamat. And once differentiated, the union of these two entities gave birth to younger gods. This is what they believed. Kind of like if you grew up with some Greek mythology and other stuff, this was the Babylonian story. And now, these younger gods, however, were extremely loud. They partied. And they troubled the sleep of Apsu at night. And they distracted him from his work by day. So upon the vice, the advice of his, of, of his viceroy, Apsu decides to kill all the younger gods. That's his solution. Tiamat, upon hearing this plans, warns her eldest son, Inca. And he puts Apsu to sleep and then kills him. And from his remains, from his corpse, this Inca creates his home and his temple. Now Tiamat, once the support of the younger gods, is now enraged that they have killed her mate. So she consults with Kunga, who advises her to make war on all the younger gods. And Tiamat rewards this Kunga with the tablets of destiny, which legitimize his rule of the gods and control the fates, and he wears them proudly like a breastplate. So you now have this god who's got this breastplate, and, and that makes him important. And then Tiamat summons the forces of chaos and creates 11 horrible monsters to destroy her children. Such a good bedtime story, right? <laughs> and so Inca and the younger gods fight against Tiamat futilely until among them creates this champion, Marduk. And there's this Marduk, and he comes along, and he swears that he's going to take care of the world. And he swears that he will kill Tiamat, and he does. He cuts her in half and kills her. Splits her in two. And with her upper part of the body, he creates the solar system and all the stars in the sky. And it says that from her head, her dead head, in her eyes form the rivers of the Tigris and the Euphrates. And with her bottom half, entrails and all that disgusting stuff, he creates the earth. And so that's the story that was believed. And now from doing that, Marduk becomes the god that everyone should serve and fear. And he becomes the most powerful one. And so he is the god they fear. And he realizes all these other gods need help. And so he takes the guy who helped who's an unliked God, and kills him. And from his blood, he mixes with this God he defeated, the earth, and that's where humans come from. Mankind is made from the blood of an unloved God and a defeated God, earth. And your job on earth is to serve the gods. You are a slave and your job is to work. That's your origin story. So this was the Babylonian origin story. That there's this Marduk and you fear him. He brought order to this world by killing everyone. He created this world out of violence, but then you get order restored and he made you to serve the gods. You are created in the image of an unloved God that I killed and another God that I killed. Feel special? 
This is the origin story that would have been believed. This is where, when we know this, when we come to Genesis 1 and 2, this becomes a revolutionary story. This becomes something that goes, that's different. And that's the entire point. That when Moses writes down and records the origin stories for these original Israelites, for for them to know and to come to know this God, they have known as God, but they haven't really followed. And they've lived in a foreign land for 400 years. So God's creating the people and he wants them to know, here is where you come from. So jump into Genesis 1 and 2 with me. We're just gonna hit the first two verses because there's a lot in there. In the beginning... God created the heavens and earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So let's just start there, okay? Just two verses, let's just start there. What do we see? The first thing is, there's no turf war going on. There's no multiple gods, and they're warring with each other. What God wants his people to know is there's one God. That's it. There is one God. And it's not many. His name is Elohim. The Hebrew word is Elohim. And this is a word for a creator God. This is a God who creates something out of nothingness. This is the name of God, of Elohim, is the God. So it says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and earth. Now we get to this word heavens. It's not the word we would use now. When we say the word heaven, we say a destination. We say where all dogs go to, right? Like when we use this word heaven, it's where grandma is looking down on us. But that's not the correct translation. This word here, it's shemine. What shemine means is air and atmosphere. What it specifically means is it's the space between the waters above and the waters below. And so in the beginning, Elohim creates the shemine, the space between this air and the earth. This word earth is Eretz. And what it means is inhabited land. It just means land. So in the beginning, Elohim, our creator God, who is one, creates the air and space. He separates the waters above and the waters below and he creates in inhabited land. See, we see some similarities with the Babylonian story. And if you jump into other creation myths, you see some similarities. It's the same beginning part where it says, the world is formless and empty. Verse two, it says, the earth was formless and empty. This is where we get to some really fun Hebrew words. The word for formless is tohu. Word for empty is bohu. Say those with me. Tohu. Bohu. And this is where they're getting at, that the earth was formless and empty. Now, if you know the Babylonian story, you'd be like, yep, correct. There's just a big difference. The world is formless without any form to it, and it's empty, meaning there's nothing there. And darkness covered the deep waters. See, this is still similar. There's a darkness that's covering these deep waters. The God of Tiamat was known as the God of deep waters. That's why they feared the waters. That's why they they believed there was scary and darkness. It says there's darkness over the water. But what do we have here? The spirit of God was hovering over the surface of those waters. This word for spirit is ruha. It's ruach. Don't clear your throat. 
But that's the word for spirit. It's the word for breath. It's the word for God. God's spirit. So over these dark waters, you have God's spirit is hovering over. It's the same word that gets used for breath of life. It's the same word that gets used for when God makes mankind just a few more verses later. And so God is at work. Even though it's empty and void, God is at work. And it says, then God said, verse three, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that light, and it was good. We know what that Hebrew word is. If you were here in 2022, beginning of the year, tov. And it was tov. That's what he says. He makes light, and it was tov. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night. And the evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. So what we see here is God is creating order out of chaos. He's not doing it through violence and death, but he's creating order out of chaos that in the beginning we see the world is formless. And yet what God is doing is he's separating to then later come through and form together. And this is the cycle we see throughout all of creation. I'm not gonna go through all six days. I found a wonderful preschool graphic that will demonstrate this perfectly for you. But this is what God does throughout the creation story. (laughs) Told you, right? But what you get is day one, two, and three, you see that God creates and separates. Separates. And then day four, five, and six, he fills. He separates and he fills. He fills with plants and all of the things. He fills with every creature in the sky and creatures in the water. And on day six, he fills with all the creatures on the land. And then he comes to making us. And so this is what God is about. Again, I would challenge you, encourage you this week to jump into the creation story for yourself, to be able to see what God is doing there. But if we jump into verse 26, We pick up day six. He's already done five days separating, forming. And it comes to verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. You were not made to serve a master. That's not our origin story. We were not made to just be slaves for the gods. You were made in the image of God that that's important, that gets labeled in there. That's why we call ourselves image bearers. You are the image of God. The person next to you is the image of God. The person you don't agree with is the image of God. And this is where we come about recognizing there is value to human life because we are image bearers. This is what God wants us to know from his origin story, that he creates everything else and is bringing order, but he stops and makes us and says, I am gonna put my ruach. I am gonna put my image, my spirit is gonna be in you. That will give you access to me. 
he then invites us to be part of the creation story. That's when he says all this stuff and it gets all weird with you're gonna scurry on the land and all these animals and whatnot. All of that just means God's inviting us with him. Not to serve him, but to be part of this creation story. That he wants us to play a role. He invites us to be part of. Then the creation story has its final bit. And again, it is weird and it is counterculture because he finishes this crowning achievement of creation with us. But then he still has a final act of creation. It starts in chapter two. What we see as he finishes making us and gives us dominion over and tells us, I want to invite you to be a part of this, says this. Genesis starting chapter two. So the creation of the heavens, the Shemaim, and the earth, the Eretz, and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of creation of the heavens, the Shemaim, and the earth, the Eretz. God rests. It's only when you put that in the context of the original hearers of this have just spent 400 years being slaves. Slaves don't rest. Slaves don't get Saturdays. Slaves don't have three-day weekends. Slaves don't recline when they eat. And so this is counterculture that God loves us so much that he models and says, I have built you to work and to rest. That you are not anyone's slave. You are not a slave to your work. You are not a slave to what needs to get done. I built you to worship me. And I'm gonna even give you a day to worship me. Not serve, worship. Declare the value of God and know that he is different. Know that his ways are different. And this is what we are invited into. This is part of the mission of God is that we were made in his image and we were meant to rest in knowing that. You don't need to earn your likeness with God. You don't need to earn him turning his eyes towards you. He made you. He loves you. He invites you to come along with him. This is our origin story. If we choose to adopt it, that this is what God wants us to be part of. And even if you need any more reminders of that, God continues on with Genesis chapter two. That he goes even further to remind us who he is because we're made in his image. And then he takes a rest. Then chapter two, we get our second creation story. And this one is no longer Elohim, the God who's creating the solar systems and the earth. This is no longer Elohim, this creative God who's creating big things. What we see in chapter two is Yahweh. Elohim Yahweh, Lord. Lord, which is an intimate term, meaning this is the God who knows us, that we call Lord of our life. The picture in Genesis 2 isn't God with this phantasmic type things or shooting things. It's Yahweh in the dirt, forming, playing, creating. And it's from this that we get this intimate story of who we are. In chapter two, starting at verse four, it says, when the Lord God, 
Elohim Yahweh made the earth and the heavens. Neither wild plant nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all of the land. Then the Lord God, Yahweh, formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life. His spirit, his ruah, is what he breathes into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living being. This is our origin story. This is where we come from. We just have to choose to adopt it. And if we look back at how revolutionary this was for the first hearers of this, this is what we're invited to be a part of, that this is what the mission of God is to share creation with us. If you go all the way back, God's purpose is he wants to share creation with us. That's his main point, that he wants us to come into relationship with him. So what do we see about this mission of God? I wrote down six things that for me, these were my aha moments in the last couple weeks as I knew I got to preach and go through this. God wants them, these Israelites, and you to know that there is one God. There is not gods. We do not need to do anything to appease them. There is one God. That one God is loving, Elohim. That one God is making order in this world, not by death, but through creativity and love. That we are as image bearers. We are not slaves nor products of chaos. You are an image bearer. And we are made with a purpose and we do not serve gods. We are invited to be co-heirs with God. So I don't know where you're at as far as do you know a, a creator God? Do you know an Elohim? Do you just know about him? Maybe you've been coming to church and going through the emotions, but you're like, I don't know if I know this God. Maybe you don't know this Elohim Yahweh, which means Lord of your life. My hope and desire is you come to know and to see that that is something God is calling to you, that what we were meant for is to be a part of that. And the reality is we are not built out of chaos. Some of our origin stories have been. Maybe your life has been way more chaos than order. But that doesn't have to be your origin story. That doesn't have to be where you're at. Because God writes this to a people who have only known chaos and is saying, here's how much I love you. The reality is, I know there's many of you, you may have been called and you've seen your identity that you are an accident. The reality is, and this is what my pastor growing up always preached, there are accidental parents. There are no accidents. That when God made you and formed you, he had a purpose for your life and that we are made in the image of him. I wanted to close by just jumping into clearly someone who got this an author of the Bible who clearly understood his or hers origin story. In Psalms 139, I chose the message paraphrase because I feel like this is a modern person. If I went to Starbucks and they were reading some poetry to me, this is what it would sound like. But Psalms 139, starting in verse 13, this is someone, when they write their poetry, they clearly get this idea that they are made in God's image. If you need to close your eyes to listen to this. 
Here's what it says. Oh, yes, you shape me from You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, Elohim. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing, tohu, into something. Like an open book who watched me grow from conception to birth, all the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life were all prepared before I, was, before I even lived one day. So you are an image bearer. You are built for relationships, that God desires a relationship with you, and we are built to live in relationship because that's what God put inside you. That you being an image bearer, you are built to have a relationship with God. We are built to have relationship with each other. And when we don't do that, we miss it. We miss the mission of God in this creation story. That we're not just supposed to know it, to know where we came from and how many days it took to make us or the world. We're supposed to know it to know there's a loving God who's madly in love with his creation. And it's us. And our job is just to love him back. Our job is to continue to go deeper. Our job is to share that love with others. That that's what we're about. That's what we want new life to be about. To be a place where people can come and find what it means to join the family. That we're a family that's always looking to have an empty seat. To invite someone else into this. Invite someone else to come and learn where our origin story comes from to know how to go a little bit deeper with God. That that's the mission of creation, is for us to know that we play a role. God invites us to play a role, to continue to spread his kingdom through us. And it starts by knowing where we came from. I'm gonna close and I'm gonna pray. But if you're someone, you're like, I, I, I want to learn a little bit more about this. I, I kind of know this, but I don't really know. Today, this afternoon, right after the 11 o'clock service at 1245, we have a class that we do every couple months called Crash Course. Pastor David is going to be teaching it. If you've never taken this, this goes deeper into who we are. It goes deeper into what we believe and what we value. We're teaching this class again. It is the beginning of our membership. You don't have to become a member, but if you've wanted to go deeper into knowing what is the, the, the story of God, what is the story of us, what's the story of new life? We cover all this in a class and there's free tacos, <laughs> which makes it amazing, right? So if you've ever wanted to go deeper, my challenge would be sign up for that. You can go to Connections and jump into that. But if you would, bow your heads. Let's pray as we wrap this up. God, thank you that you know each and every one of us. God, we are so thankful that we have a God who loves us first. God, I pray for each and every one of us, whether we're watching online, we're here in the building, we're out on the patio. God, I pray that you would be loud in our lives. God, I pray for those of us who feel distant from you, who feel like we're outside like we've never joined the family or we've left the family. God, I pray that you would be active, 
that God, you would be preparing an empty seat, that you would be preparing a placemat for them to come and know what it means to belong to you. God, I pray for for those of us who've belonged here, but we've forgotten what it feels like to be new. God, I pray for your newness. God, I pray that you would light an excited fire in us to wanna share what it means to belong to your kingdom. God, I pray that you would continue to use our people to be a light in this world, to be fully alive for you, to share what it means to belong to, belong to your family. God, may we connect with your power, with your spirit, to do things because you love us. God, help us to be difference makers in this world. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me as we close? May the creative God, the God of the universe, the God Elohim, be a God you come to know as your Yahweh, as your Lord of your life, that as you go this week, may you know him as Lord. Bless you guys, have a great week. We will see you, hopefully out on the patio. Love you guys, bye.